Welcome to the Hearts and Dice podcast. This episode we're going to talk about horror stories, difficult moments during a game that mean that player trust starts to break down. We're going to talk about what happens when there are mismatches and expectation about what sort of game you're playing, problematic power dynamics at the table, and what happens when you break the trust of the players either deliberately or accidentally. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jamie. I did have one horror story. Please. Oh, you do. So I was talking about expectations. Sure. And I was in a game with a first-time GM, and I'd written a character who was... Well, my expectation was that it was kind of a an adventure sort of a game. Mm-hmm. Quite cartoony violence. Yeah. And one of the first scenes that we played ended up being a kind of a fight in a bar of some sort, and my character hit a woman... Mm. And then the GM had her fall down and clutch her stomach and, and cry my baby. And I was just like, this, this is not the game I signed oh, up no, for. No. I respected the fact she felt like there should be some consequences yeah. to the action, but it, it wasn't wrong for her to do that, but my expectation yeah. for the game yeah. came to a very, very abrupt... Uh, <laughs> collision. Collision with... <laughs> what was really happening. Yeah, what was really happening. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, it was quite an experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. I must have had something like that happen, but I don't remember it. I do actually genuinely wish I'd had an X card yeah, at that yeah. point. Because I think it was one of those things we probably should have stopped and been like, Hold on. What game are we playing? Yeah, yeah can absolutely. we just check in on the tone here? I don't mind if we play that game, yeah. but my character is a, is a happy-go-lucky violence machine. Being able to check in like that during a game is so valuable to me, because I've definitely had it happen where either someone else has been, oh, shit, what's going on? Did I hear you right? Or me being, oh, actually, that's a line for me. I don't want the player characters to be going around raping people. That's yeah. really not cool. So, you know, being able to check in during mm. the game, just like having that empowerment. There's a lot to be said around the fact that consent is continuous. Absolutely. And I've got a, a, kind of a bit of a rant around there, <laughs> which is basically that consent has some very, very simple principles, but actually practicing consent is very complex. It is. And for instance, it's good that you've got an X card. But not only do people have to feel comfortable actually pulling the X card, like it's it's not a guarantee, right? There are all sorts of numerous things that might cause someone to still not feel like it was safe to do that. If you're in a game where people don't know each other and don't necessarily trust each yeah. other, I feel like the table has to be safe enough for the most introverted person who knows people the least to so be able to X card. I've actually seen so. that demonstrated really well at a game where a friend of mine was running it. He introduced the X card we started playing and he as the gm crossed one of his own lines um and put a child in danger and yeah. he was actually really upset with what himself mm. and so he just went x card i shouldn't have gone there yeah right and because he had done it and he was running mm. the game he's he's the voice of authority or whatever he gave permission he he gave permission to all yeah. of us which is really cool this is kind of a power dynamics thing the yeah. same thing applies with beginners where you know, you've got to be aware of the power dynamics at the table. If yep. if all of you are experienced and the beginners there, they're not comfortable. You know what? The odds are pretty good that they're not actually going to call out. So, the thing that they're uncomfortable with. So there's nothing stopping you. In fact, you probably should be checking in with each other, proactively checking yep. in with each other. One point that we haven't actually talked about with pointing at the X card is that it shouldn't be a discussion. If someone says, oh, no, that's a line for yes. me, 
that's not an invitation for everyone else at the table to go, oh, but it's okay, or, how oh, can, come on, can, we can still do it. How can I know? modify the idea so that you're comfortable with it, but I still introduce the yeah, topic? Yeah, because I have had that happen to me. Really? And well, you were there. Yeah. It was a game of bad family. It was the silliest thing, but it was just uh, my character, and something was going to go wrong, and someone suggested that it was, like, a face full of shit. And I was just like, no, I'm not really comfortable with that. That's gross-out humour. I don't like it. I never want to watch it. And it's kind of repulsive. So I said, no, I'm not into that. And someone was like, I'll go on. It'd be funny. You know, and I, "Mm." but I've said no. And I would like you to respect that. (laughs) Well, there's another feature there too. Like you're saying, the code of conduct or a social contract really is only as valuable as people's willingness to back it. Yeah, exactly. And and, yeah, and that's a collective good. And if you fail to meet your obligations, then actually you, you've potentially done more damage yeah. than you might have if you hadn't had a contract. Yeah, yeah you're, diminishing, you're diminishing trust, which is then diminishing people's confidence and investment in the game. And Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. really easy to say, hey, it's going to be a safe place. But if something happens that is making someone feel unsafe and they raise it and nothing happens, it all just continues. Then, then it's, it's never safe. It's this, the reverse that person of safe. Is, yeah. is, because is, now the person's found themselves they're vulnerable. in an unsafe situation yeah. that they wouldn't have put themselves into necessarily. That's yeah. right. Can we go back to your standard What's... rant number two? <laughs> yeah, so so this rant is about the practice of consent mm-hmm. and how it can be really hard, right? If you're deeply engaged in a character in a moment, mm. you may not actually be in the right place to realise that you're crossing a boundary. And so part of the collective agreement is you've got to be looking out for each other. Yeah. People who maybe aren't directly involved in the moment should feel responsibility to to check in and make sure that everything's okay. It can be as simple as just, how are you doing? I've got a controversial question. Mm. Yeah. It's the um, responsibility of everyone at the table. Yes. Definitely. But do you think it's more the responsibility of the GM or the facilitator to be paying attention to every player? This comes back to the power dynamics. I think there is an uneven responsibility to the people who have the most power at the table, even if that's not the GM. Mm-hmm. Right, even if the GM is, is like sometimes you do get that when one player is dominates the, the entire player. table, regardless of what the GM wants. Yeah. It's kind of on them more than it is on everyone else. You know, just like yeah, everyone's got to walk at the pace of the slowest. Yeah. All other things being equal, it's the responsibility of the person that introduces the mechanisms and topics yep. of yep. content warnings and how to enforce them. But I have found at the table that a leader in this sort of thing kind of emerges and it's not necessarily facilitated yeah Yeah. and it's not i mean you've got to have a certain mindfulness and awareness of the people around you which the person who introduced the topic or whatever it is might not have ideally if you're empowering people to feel like they are safe to enforce it themselves and that's good oh definitely definitely i'm just sort of thinking like what daniel was saying if you're that much in the moment Mm. you Mm. might be so hyper focused that you just don't see the reactions of the people oh, around yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It does happen. And <laughs> Especially so, in lab, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, and you have to look out for people who are crossing boundaries mm. because they're, they're too deeply engaged and for people who are having their boundaries crossed and who may not have realised it yet. Yeah, because you can feel uneasy but not know why exactly. Yeah. It's not gaming, but I had that with Jessica Jones. Um, yes. There was an episode of that where I was just like, wow, this is unpleasant. And it actually was the only time I've been literally triggered by something and I was yeah. super upset about it for about 24 hours. And it can sometimes be only in the moment or after the event that you can realise yep. that actually you weren't okay there. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so I guess it kind of comes down to the purpose of this. And the purpose of this is not so that we don't have Mm. scary things. It's that we have enough of a safe environment that we we can safely move into this. We can explore the scary stuff in a safe way. To me, it's because role-playing is a first draft medium, unlike, um, Mm. say, script writing or plays or whatever, where Mm. you get a lot of chances as a creative collective to see how the material is going to be interpreted and to mm. refine it. This is a first draft meeting. We create it and we experience it all at the same time. And, it's, and then it's done. And then it's done. So yeah. having a toolbox to be able to say, well, actually, no, we totally swerved when we should have <laughs> probably just kept going straight ahead. <laughs> how do we course correct yeah. that? Yeah, uh, super useful. And have either of you found a situation where the game has gotten to a point where no one actually feels comfortable continuing, where yes. you basically call off the game into like, bad weather? Yep. But I'm also interested in Jamie with you. You know, I, and you know what immediately jumped to mind was Black Stars Rise. <laughs> <laughs> you, should t- you should totally talk about that. Yeah, I, totally I love. It's, it's I a beautiful game. game. It is a fantastic game. It's a horror game. You're not expected to survive. I think. Um, well, you, yeah, your sa- safety's not guaranteed. Safety's not guaranteed. You get a character and you're an archetype, and none of you superpowered. You're none of you particularly powerful at all. In fact. Think of yourselves as modern-day random resident. But the one we tried, yeah, was an apartment building. I was a detective, but mm. you have to take some defects, I think. So yeah. I was a drunk, classic Maverick cop kind of thing. And bad shit starts happening. In our case, it was aliens taking over the building. Yeah, that's right. The building was becoming visually corrupted and weird. Oh. And the aliens were actively aggressive. If they knew that you knew about them, they would cut you in half, which happened to my character. Well, your first character. My first character. Yeah. Which was sad, because I was very connected to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but over the course of the game, if you take Han... Both halves. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> <laughs> It was so bleak. None of us kind of... We knew it was safety not guaranteed. Um, And we did save most of the characters at the end, but it was after I'd sacrificed myself to save someone else, my first character. Have you completely repressed what happened at the end of this game? We burned the building down, didn't we? No, we didn't. No. Oh, this is interesting. What happened? Well, (laughs) the game instructs the GM to create a mythology through play. So we played for like three sessions. A lot of time to develop it. And I knew that they were trying to slowly introduce their dimension into our world mm. and the, the core of it was happening in this basement yeah. area and so you all said well okay we need to go down to the basement yeah. uh, we have oh. these lights and we're gonna no, like, we're gonna like um burn this thing and i was thinking to myself well according to the rules of the game i have to make a decision based on what honesty demands about whether this plan would work and this plan will not work so <laughs> Everyone died. And yeah, everyone yeah. died. And your your torches started failing, you were trapped yeah. in the black, the aliens closed in, you were all looking at me like I had utterly betrayed yeah. you. And in a yeah. sense I had. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in another but sense. But in another not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it totally reminds me of a, a game, Sunshine Boulevard, where there are three players and two players know what the game's really about and the third player doesn't. Oh, I'm not cool. Wow. And the player who doesn't know thinks that it's a rom com with seven scenes, which is like the meet cute, the second meeting, mm, yes. the first date, the walk home, oh, blah, no. blah. Yes. The other two players know that it's a story about a serial killer who moves from being a stalker to yes. killing the victim. Uh, yes. No, no, that's terrible. Now, everybody thinks that it's terrible. Like, even the <laughs> author thinks it's terrible. As far as I could tell, nobody's ever played it <laughs> actually Got bringing it. three people in and one of them to the patsy. Yeah. But no, I want to... Play it like that. <laughs> well, okay, but now you know about it, no, so you I know can't be it. the patsy. But, on the other hand, yeah, this is a consent thing. You know, it is. I, I couldn't in good conscience 
put someone in no. in, the, in that situation of being a patsy. Well, it's, I, it's the unethical in, um, psychology experiment, right? Yeah. Yes. So, oh. could you ethically do it if you said, "We're going to play a game, and one of us is not going to know." Maybe if you wore like a jigsaw mask first and were like, do you want to play a game? And then they'd get like a little hint of what's to come. Yeah, just be like, listen, this is, a, this is an unreliable narrative. I think that the unreliable narrator, that hint doesn't seem to me like it's violating the social contract of the game itself. The game has written up a social contract which right. is cruel, right? That's it's, right. Yes. But that is what the game's kind of presenting is these are the things that you would have to agree to you two players have to agree to. I feel like I need to bring up a game called True Love Match at this point that Morgan Davy ran once, ever. He pitched it at Capcom. It was a lighthearted, you get to experience like what it's like to be on The Bachelor. And I went in with, I think there was a couple, like a real life dating couple, or a man and woman, and there was another man, another woman, and me. And Morgan was like, well, we need four girls and one bachelor. Right. And because of the relationships there, I volunteered to be the bachelor. And everyone agreed. So we played this game and and we all went in thinking, yeah, this will be silly and fun. And Morgan never betrayed us he never lied yes. <laughs> I sort of put that out there oh also time he out. Didn't... <laughs> did, he, did he know because I think this is the first time he's ever run it right oh no so... no he wrote this intentionally oh, shit. he okay. did he did he's a psychology major <laughs> this is also I think I've read two different write-ups there's at least three around yeah yeah so what happened over the course of the game because the way he'd set up the system I was invested in every single one of those girls winning mm. and to me well winning meant I would choose them at the end. So I was setting myself up for failure every single time I went on a fake date. And they were all competing with each other to win me. And they were simultaneously supporting each other and trying to sabotage. And we had these things which were dates. I would take one of them into another room and we'd roll dice and the dice meant different things. And we all got incredibly emotionally invested very fast. (laughs) And... Most of the way through the game, Morgan was like, okay, well, we've got to go down to the final two. Here are two roses, and all the girls are going to face away from you, and you have to choose which to go through. And they didn't know. I'm rubbing the bridge (laughs) of my nose now. (laughs) And this is like, I'm sitting there, well, I had lots of fun with that one on this makeup made-up date where we went and did this, and I had so much, oh, but no. And he'd made me decide very early, privately, that I had this dark secret that could be anything at all. I decided that I was a scientist and I'd done some unethical stuff with animals in a lab, right? Right, okay. So we got down to the final two. There was some really dramatic stuff where the two that had been eliminated had to talk to me about what they thought I should do. Mm. And then they talked to the other girls about what they thought they should do. Mm -hmm. You know, I should have said at the rose ceremony, someone actually had to leave the room because she was on the verge of crying when I, when a, I didn't a, a choose player her. Was a player was a player but... was so so upset you know we just it was drawn out just like it is on the show super dramatic and yeah. uh, he gave me two boxes at the end and one of them had a ring and he's like you can take the ring out and give neither of them the offer and it came down to two of them one of them was a vegan so I'm like well probably shouldn't be her <laughs> based on my dark secret yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. so I gave it to my friend Andy and <laughs> who's my chosen girl, and he cried. He was so overwhelmed. He was so joyful. Mm. He just couldn't... This excitement and this nervousness had built up and built up and built up over the game. All of us were feeling it. And Morgan was just 
over the moon because he had hoped that it would go like that, mm. but he couldn't control it. But if we put ourselves <laughs> back in Jamie's head, you've just chosen Andy, and then your face pans across to the to other, other person. Girl, he didn't change Anna, and she was devastated. And then she, she said to Andy, who'd won, "You should think twice before you decide to go with someone who's so willing to break hearts." Wow. Which, you know, fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely and fair. do you think that she was, from, from 100% to 0%, how in character do <laughs> well, you feel I, she I, was? It was definitely driven by real emotions. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to put a percentage on yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did a big write-up afterwards. She did an amazing write-up yes. about the emotions that she'd gone through. Mm. And Morgan realised that we had to have a proper debrief afterwards when he realised I was, like, curled up under a table. <laughs> Everyone was kind of like talking And so I was just like, you know, I just need some alone time yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, let's all sit up and, and have a talk and, and once we debriefed, it was great Do you think part of that was the engine of not just competition But selection based on identity? Because the way the system worked, it was in my interests for them to succeed In the date So yeah, it was system, but it was player investment, definitely mm. And the way that Morgan, as the host of the show directed things it's not exactly false advertising or a genre switch but none of us expected it to go that deep you've been listening to the hearts and dice podcast with steve hickey daniel zollinger and jamie sands if you want to find us on social media we're on instagram and twitter at hearts and dice we're on facebook the hearts and dice podcast page or if you want to email us it's heartsanddice at gmail.com